Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Your local FS. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. Boy, I hope you got a chance to enjoy that mild weather over the weekend. I know I was traveling across the state, saw a lot of combines, a lot of tractors, a lot of grain carts moving late into the evening hours on Saturday. Hopefully this mild weather allows you to continue with the harvest. Today we're looking for mostly cloudy skies. 37 are expected high. Tomorrow, partly sunny, 41. Wednesday, the top of the week as far as temperatures. Cloudy skies in 45 on Wednesday, and then we start a gradual cool down again. I'll let Stu Mocker, Ag Meteorologist, tell you more about that in about 15 minutes. I'm Pam Yankee, by the way. Welcome in. Monday, November 18th, up before 6 o'clock. You know, the dairy industry is constantly being challenged in the grocery store. Plant-based products continue to want to creep in to the space in the dairy showcase. How are we defending that space? What do the retailers need to know that consumers may already be aware of? Josh Scramlin and Caitlin Riley had a chance to visit with Paul Zeminski from Dairy Management Incorporated on beverage trends and what they need to point out to those retailers to keep that dairy space intact. That's up before six. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Wisconsin's Soybean Marketing Board and BadgerBean.com, helping farmers grow sustainable crops to feed a hungry planet. And by your Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam at FabulousFarmBabe.net, Facebook, and Twitter bit of a warm-up over this past weekend and a welcome one at that. Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. But I'll tell you what, for a lot of farmers, no matter what you were growing this year, all this cold uh, weather kind of put the kibosh to maybe some of the fall plans you had. But Wisconsin Ag Tourism continues, and that's where we focus our attention this morning, Scott. Indeed, Pam. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. Ferguson Orchards, which has several western Wisconsin orchards, is in the middle of its fall harvest and tourism season. Meanwhile, though, Ferguson Orchards is looking forward to the 2020 Wisconsin Farm Technology Days show in Eau Claire. Andy Ferguson from Ferguson Orchard talked about the awareness of the region's apple industry and some of these lesser-known commodities. I asked about his apple operation and how they will be involved in that 2020 Farm Technology Days through the event's Innovation Square. Yeah, we are one big family business, so I'm with all of them. We put on a lot of miles driving between them all. Uh, moving tractors around but but yeah ferguson's orchard we're a large commercial apple grower but then our our favorite part is actually opening the farms to the public every fall with the apple and pumpkin picking corn mazes all that fun stuff all right we're standing on the grounds at hunsinger farms one of the the largest horseradish producer in the nation and for farm technology days Ferguson Orchards is going to be part of, of of everything here, along with some other interesting crop growers. And you're going to call it? Innovation Square. What kind of stuff is all going to be there, Andy? 
Also, my my taste buds are used to apples. I taste test apples all day. I I came and taste tested a horseradish here that's grown two miles from our apple orchard, and it was uh, quite the different taste. So it's just kind of a testament to the different crops that are grown here in Eau Claire that you might not even think about. So as part of Innovation Square within the Farm Technology Days, we're really excited to showcase some of those unique crops. Um, there's a element of innovation, you know, as it says in the name. So it's looking forward to, you know, how are we going to be able to uh, continue agriculture while not forgetting our roots um, with dairy and and all the different row crops that have kind of made Wisconsin famous for ag. So we're we're excited to introduce. Uh, the, the general public to the apples and horseradish, kidney beans, the, the kinds of things that you don't necessarily are known right in your backyard or known, know are grown right in your backyard. And as you suggested, these are things that aren't new to the state. They've been here for a while. Ferguson's Orchards has been around for a bit. Uh, Triple Valley Bean has been here for a while. These are, But we're just not quite aware of it, are we? Yeah, and I think uh, in some cases you just might not be aware of it because people are kind of in in their own little world, and that's something we're always battling is, you know, the the youth of today and even my own kids. It's showing them that the food doesn't start at the grocery store. There's actually a few steps before that uh, that are pretty important, and that's just deeply ingrained in the history here in Wisconsin and in Eau Claire County. Uh, Huntsinger Farms, the host of Farm Technology Days, is celebrating their 90th year, uh, which I think is phenomenal, you know, and we we hope all farms can have that many generations and and more to come, and we're we're definitely uh, excited to use the show as an avenue to introduce the youth um, to all the things that are exciting and all, all the opportunities that come with agriculture. Ferguson's Orchards in particular, what do you hope to introduce people to there? We hope to do a few things with uh, our involvement of Ferguson's Orchard in the show. One is to just educate that you know apples are actually grown here uh, a lot of times you think of like washington state is is the big one and they are a much bigger growing area than us but we have a great niche area here in western wisconsin for apple growing um, so we we hope to showcase that we are a large apple grower in the area it it uh, it, it puts fruit on a lot of grocery store shelves that you might not realize and Second is that what we do is we try to provide that link between the people that live in the cities and that may never set foot on a farm um, with actually coming and enjoying and experiencing the farm atmosphere. So that's why we put on our fall corn maze, wagon rides, farm animals, all that type of stuff. Um, So we try to get people excited. You know, I, I used to, when I started working on the family farm here i would give field trips to to young kids every day and that was always the the highlight of that is when some young kid says i want to be a farmer like you and i grow up and that if we can make a few kids think that i think it's all worth it tent city at farm technology days is a small city laid out with streets and i heard you heard you earlier mention the word intersections. There are a lot of intersections where the consumers and growers of 
all different crops are concerned. And something such as Ferguson's Orchards apples and other crops that you grow uh, are part of that. Yeah, they're, to use the word intersection, I think really sums up what the whole show is about because there's there is the intersection between the the people that have never set foot on a farm and the ones who actually work the farm every day um the intersection between the rich past history of agriculture in wisconsin and the future the innovative future of where things are headed and then also just within crops so the corn beans dairy um all the way to the more unique uh, rare specialty crops like apples and horseradish uh, i think right in the middle of that is where we find common ground um, both with the consumers and you know we all eat food <laughs> at the end of the day so it's you know some people are buying it some people are growing it um, but then as farmers we all face similar challenges at the end of the day with weather you know being the biggest one and then different markets and they're all tied together and we hope to provide a venue with the farm technology days where everyone can come together and have a good time and learn a thing or two about ag i want to take that intersection thought one more step with you if you would and we're standing here at hunsinger farms within shouting distance almost of a couple of highways intersections that are going to be important to this show highway 37 interstate 94 uh, highway 29 right up the road highway 10 right to the south uh, they're they're all over and uh that's going to maybe uh allow people we're we're kind of at an intersection with the city of eau claire the city metropolitan area and rural life right here at Huntsinger Farms, and uh, that might help your intersection idea. I think this location is the ideal location for Farm Technology Days show. Um, both just the general location of Eau Claire within the state, you know, is kind of the the center of Minneapolis and Madison and Milwaukee coming together in Lacrosse. Um, but yeah, as you said, just the the proximity of a lot of people. Um, in Eau Claire and the surrounding areas and then we're we can literally hear the freeway from this farm so you, you can't get much more in in the middle of uh, rural and city than here so I think Hunsinger's is the the perfect place and they're the perfect family to host the farm technology days. That's Andy Ferguson of Ferguson Orchards in the Eau Claire area. Andy, a promoter of Innovation Square at the 2020 Farm Technology Days at Eau Claire. On the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire, I'm Scott Schultz. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Unleash your inner geek at the largest arcade in Wisconsin, Geeks Mania. Hundreds of the most wanted vintage vids and pins, plus the best new games and the largest six-person X-Men game in the galaxy. Book your corporate event or birthday party in the Namco or the new Nintendo room online at GeeksMania.com. Every birthday child gets a free comic book at Geeks Mania, Odano Road, across from Rust Arrow Kia. Open Sunday through Thursday till 10, Friday and Saturday till midnight. Pay one price, play all day. Unleash your inner geek at Geeks Mania. Learn more at GeeksMania.com. 
Farming is a competitive business. You need to be tough and smart, and you need to have equipment that you can rely on, which is why farmers entrust their grain handling to Brandt products available at Ziegler Ag Equipment, like the XR Grain Carts, featuring a high-capacity 20-inch discharge auger that unloads up to 620 bushels per minute, making unloading quick and effective. Talk to your Ziegler sales rep about the full line of augers, belts, carts, and vacs, because if you want to be number one, get yourself some worry-free performance from Brandt and lead the field. It's open house time here at the Princeton Clubs. Hi, this is Dave Gary, and I'd like to personally invite you to our open house, taking place this month at all our Princeton Club locations. We all know that exercise improves the quality of our life and makes a big impact on how we feel. Listen to Michelle's recent experience. I came to Princeton Club actually to kind of find myself again, get my body back after having two kids. It was a struggle to find motivation to come because I was very self-conscious. I would just tell myself, I'm only going to stay 10 minutes. And then I realized before I knew it, the class was done, and I felt better than I had ever felt in so long. I'm here to prolong my life, to be happier. I'm happier when I'm fit. It's time to find your fit and write your success story. Get access to all our world-class facilities, try a class, swim in our pools, or just relax in the spa. Come on in. Go ahead. Get started today. Our open house event is going on now. To hear the rest of Michelle's story, go to PrincetonClub.net. Spreading farm information and occasionally manure. This is the Farm Report with Pam Young. 518 now on a Monday morning where the opportunity to spread manure may still be out there after a fairly decent warm-up over the weekend. Will it hang on? What are those field conditions going to be like? Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live via Skype. Boy, buddy, I'll tell you, I drove uh, from Madison. I was up in the La Crosse area into Minnesota all day Saturday and into the evening. And the, the one salvation of having to log those miles was that at least I got a chance to see an awful lot of headlights out in the field uh, into the late evening on Saturday. The combines were rolling. The tractors were dragging grain carts. Uh, you had to be careful on the road because they were coming down the road with uh, some pretty big equipment in the middle of the night. But at least we were getting things done. I'm hoping we'll be able to give folks a little bit more of that encouragement today. Uh, I think we will, Pam. I don't know. My neighborhood, there's a lot of combines running all weekend, and the manure started moving yesterday, big time, even mm-hmm. late Saturday. Uh, it's that time. We can get out there right now. That snowpack has been going away, and although we had a little new, I uh, see from last night, about 12 hundredths of an inch of precipitation at the Madison area, about six hundredths at Fond du Lac. It was a whole one one hundredth at La Crosse. But the disturbance that brought some of that light precip has pushed off to our east during the day today. Although it's not going to get sunny and really warm or anything, it's not going to be cold. We'll be above freezing. And although there are clouds, you know, we're still going to see that snow melting and the ice thawing a little bit in the topsoil. That's the way it works out the next couple of days. Another small disturbance edges in. There's a small chance, especially as we look toward late tonight, early Tuesday, that a little light snow in the early morning hours, you know, 4 o'clock or so, a little drizzle, maybe some patchy freezing drizzle could mix with it, and that light snow may linger just about sunrise or a bit after in south and eastern Wisconsin into Tuesday. Not going to amount to much again. Just a little bit of a covering if we see it, and it'll melt off really quickly, as I still expect to be quite mild Tuesday and on into Wednesday. It's later Wednesday night into Thursday that I expect the next organized system, actually a pretty sizable cold front dropping our way, and it's more likely that later Wednesday night into Thursday some rain develops, 
Forecast maps this morning have indicated upwards of a half an inch across a good part of Wisconsin, central and southern part of the state. So Wednesday night into Thursday, there could be that half inch of rain or more. We'll certainly keep an eye on that, but I expect it to be mild enough to be rain at that time. There will be some cooling behind the system. Nothing drastic, though. We're not going to drop into a deep freeze and freeze all of that water. It still holds on above freezing, even as we head on through next weekend into early next week. So, yeah, rain doesn't sound great, but I don't think we're going to build an ice sheet. And that's probably some of the better news there is to share. The mild temperatures, absolutely great news. Great for harvesting, great for field work. Yes, it makes a muddy mess again. Get that grease as that topsoil starts to thaw just a little bit. And as it thaws even more, then you get the real sloppy, muddy stuff. That's unfortunately what we'll deal with here this week. But we aren't going to be in the deep freeze. And I don't expect we had any major snows, you know, maybe a little dusting late tonight into early Tuesday. I'll have forecast specifics right after this. Your local FS is member owned. And that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision, and FS High Soy. You're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Compere Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compure Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our unique perspective finds solutions to your challenges. And our specially trained financial team guides you every step of the way. Partner with us to make your goals possible. Compure.com. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. 522. All right, Stu, let's have some more details on what we can, we kind of got to look out for today. I was just looking at my phone, got a couple uh, pop-up messages from the National Weather Service for that Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, uh, Northeast Wisconsin. They're saying, be careful on the roads because apparently it is starting to get a little slick. It's getting a little slick. I mean, those temps are right close to freezing, and there's a little fogginess going on over in eastern and southeast Wisconsin. Even Madison, you may see a little patchy fog popping out. Otherwise, I really just expect a cloudy day today into the upper 30s. La Crosse may hit 40 or so, and the west winds will be around 5. Overnight, cloudy skies. And like I talked about, late in the nighttime, a little light snow, a rain snow mixed drizzle, flurries, that kind of thing toward daybreak. Down to near freezing, 33 or so. South winds about 5 to 10. Could be a little bit of that rain or snow early in the day in the south and east. Otherwise, just a mostly cloudy one in store for Tuesday. Low 40s almost everywhere. Could be about 44 at La Crosse. Getting back to where it should be. South winds at 5 to 10. I like this one. Wednesday, mostly cloudy. Mid-40s. That's above normal. South winds at 5 to 10. But it's Wednesday night into Thursday, Pam, where that rain and it rears its head, if you will, and like I said, could be up to a half inch around that time. We don't need that kind of rain right now, but it's not going to freeze into an ice sheet. All right. Well, let's hope that uh, hopefully that that amount comes down because, like you said, we still got a lot of work to do, and we've got plenty of ruts out there already. Don't need to make some more. Yeah, yeah. We don't need that kind of water. No uh-uh. way. All right, bud. See you later. Thanks. Have a good one. 
Stumach is our ag meteorologist with those weather details. Let's take a look at what's going on around the state of Wisconsin. Like I said, just as Stu was talking, I started getting some pop-up messages from the National Weather Service, specifically for the Fond du Lac, Oshkosh, Green Bay area, uh, that the, the things are starting to get a little slick. You might exercise some caution out there. Lacrosse, you're cloudy right now, 34 degrees. Mauston, cloudy in 34. Fond du Lac, you've got that fog starting to come in. You're at 34 degrees. Oshkosh, you've got some clouds, 34 degrees. Madison at the airport, also cloudy skies, and 34 degrees, so pretty manageable as we get started, at least, for this Monday morning. Coming up after 5.30, U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue says that there is another payment for the market facilitation program payments coming your way starting this week. We're talking about it after 5.30. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. After the problems this year, no one has to be reminded of how cruel nature can be. I'm Shannon Latham. Come drought, hail, or high water, if you plant the minimum product required, you're fully protected by Latham Seeds Replant Program. 75 bags of Latham brand corn or a 36-bag increase gets you 100% replant. And 200 units of Latham soybeans treated with Soy Shield Plus earns the same. Let's hope not, but just in case, go to LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help in identifying a suspicious person. On November 5th at 3.20 p.m., a 13-year-old girl walking home from school on Westbrook Lane reported being touched inappropriately. The victim said a man who told her he was 16 began walking with her on Raymond Road while making casual conversation. As he was about to depart, he asked for a hug. While she did not consent, he began hugging her. It was at this time she was touched inappropriately. The victim immediately went home and contacted a parent. The suspect is described as a black male dark complexion, 5'8", thin build, with light stubble on his upper lip. He was wearing a blue Chicago Bears-type jacket with orange sleeves, blue jeans, and black shoes. The girl thought he looked more like in his 20s than 16 and indicated she did not know him. If you have any information regarding the identity of this suspect or information regarding this incident, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for cash reward. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? It shouldn't be like getting a root canal. Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Give us 80 minutes for 80 years to make a painless decision. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Dancer, that's the answer. 
Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. When you have an heirloom piece of jewelry, don't let other jewelry stores tell you it can't be fixed. It's their way of saying, we don't have the time. William Thomas Custom Jewelry has the time and the expertise to bring your treasured jewelry back to life. Allow the master designers at William Thomas Custom Jewelry help you create that one-of-a-kind piece to celebrate the moment, the joy of life. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Art doesn't see disabilities. That's because art is truly for everyone, all artists, ages, cultures, and abilities. But for individuals with disabilities, making art transforms not just them as creators, it transforms everyone around them. VSA Wisconsin has been changing lives through art for over 30 years. We provide accessibility and participation in all arts learning that enhance so many aspects of life. For thousands of Wisconsinites with disabilities, from three years old to seniors, we offer participation in music, visual art, creative writing, movement, and drama. What can VSA Wisconsin do for you? Inspire. You'll see at our programs, shows, events, and sales throughout the state. Attend classes and workshops taught by professional artists at the VSA Art Center in Madison. Or visit our gallery and shop and take some inspiration home. Visit us online at vsawis.org to volunteer, donate, to get informed, get involved, and get inspired by art all over again. Last year, Craig Council got pretty much robbed. I mean, I, I can't believe that Craig Council was not the manager of the year in 2018. Took a team that maybe people thought if everything lined up could maybe contend for one of the two wild card teams ends up turning that into the best regular season record, home field advantage in the playoffs, and gets to a Game 7 of the National League Championship Series. Yet he doesn't win. This year, Brewers not as good, but still do rally in September, make the playoffs, end up losing in the wild card. I don't know if you guys knew they lost in the wild card of the Nationals. They were four outs away. News to me. From beating the Nationals. Yeah, how crazy is that? So Council gets nominated for Manager of the Year this year. Which is kind of weird because you're like, okay, last year he didn't win it with a better record. This year he does get nominated. And the guy that many people think should win it, Davey Martinez, the manager of the Nationals, isn't even nominated. Maybe this is retroactively. Maybe the baseball writers are like, yeah, we screwed up last year. We're going to put counsel in this year. Nope. He finishes second for a second straight year. Tougher to justify this year's loss than last year because the guy that beat him, the manager of the Cardinals, I mean, the Cardinals did beat the Brewers. But I believed, Evo, that he was nominated this year to make up for not having him win it last year. Okay, so that's one. Then you get to the MVP vote yesterday. Christian Yelich uh, is one of the three finalists with uh, Cody Bellinger and uh, Rendon from uh, the Nationals. Yelich, as we all know, missed the last month of the season, uh, but he had won basically every non every other top player award not named the MVP. The Silver Slugger, the Hank Aaron, every... Player of the Year award of the National League going up until the MVP. Yelich had won. I think most people assumed, Ebo, that once we heard the name called yesterday, it was going to be Christian Yelich. It is not Christian Yelich. He also finishes second. 
So Brew. of the last four major awards the Brewers have been up for, they've gone one for four. They've got three seconds and a first. Obviously, Yelich winning the MVP last year. Yelich second in the MVP this year. Council second in the manager of the year the last two years. Do you just say the Brewers are the uh, you know they're, they're they're the bridesmaids? They're right there. They're just not at the top, but boy, they're right there. Or do you think there is like a media baseball writers bias brewing now against the Brewers? So I'm looking. There's definitely a bias against the uh, council and manager of the year when you go two years in a row like that and you break it down. And there's guys that are covering women's community soccer. Not that there's anything wrong with women's community soccer, but they don't even probably have, shouldn't be having an MVP. But vote, they don't yeah. even have council on their list. That's pretty alarming, isn't it? And then I'm looking at um, the breakdown on the Baseball Writers Association of America, a bunch of turds, by the way. Um, I'm looking at this guy. So Yelich was either first or second in everyone's voting except two people. Uh, Robert Nightingale of USA Today, who I don't mind usually, he has Yelly as third, Billinger number one, and Rendon as as second. I don't have a problem with that. The one I do have a problem with would be Tracy... Ringlesby from InsideTheSeams.com out of Colorado. His list, or her list, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. I don't want to assume anyone's gender. Right. Goes, 2019. Goes Rendon, Freeman, Arenado, then Yelich, then Bellinger. How do you not have Yelly or Bellinger in your top three? This person's got Rendon, Freeman, and Arenado. Like, they're the only person that doesn't even have Yelly as three or better, three or higher. Yeah, it's it's really, is second or higher, and everyone's list besides two people. Right, and that probably I don't know if that would have been. An, I'd have to see the point. It wouldn't. Total. No, it wouldn't be enough. Well, then I guess it's. I mean, but those, it's like, but you're talking about bias, right? Why does this person from Colorado not even have Yelly as third or second, uh, and Bellinger as fifth? Nelson, you you were you were tweeting this. I mean, you didn't have him in your top three. Talking about Bellinger, right? No, give me, I had give me him how in you would number three. We should get you an. We should get you a vote in this. Well, um, did you also notice that two of the writers, one guy was Bobby Nightingale, and the other one was Robert Nightingale? You know, yeah, that kind of made me raise an eyebrow. Who's the one I follow on Twitter? I gotta check that out. So who, uh, Nelson? Who would been? Give me, give me how you would have voted it. I would have voted Yelich, Rendon, Bellinger, just because Rendon his numbers weren't quite as good as Bellinger and uh, Yelich in most statistics. But think about what he did. He carried that Nationals offense when Bryce Harper was no longer there. Ryan Zimmerman's not Ryan Zimmerman from five years ago. There were a lot of question marks on that uh, Washington Nationals offense when Bryce Harper left, and he kind of assumed that role and stepped up big time. Well, do you think there's a bias for manager of the year in in NL? Well, just Milwaukee in general. I mean, I think it's more of a if you had a bias, it's more of a big market bias. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 535 now on a Monday morning. It's the 18th day of November. On this day back in 1963, Push-button phones were used for the very first time. They started to replace rotary dial phones. And I'll tell you what, we're showing our age if we know rotary dial phones and the very first push buttons. That started back on this date, 1963. This one caught my attention on this date in 1930. A Beloit area home was raided. County deputies took into their possession an illegal still and 300 gallons of contraband moonshine. That was on this date back in 1930. And now you know, I'm Pam Yankee. Now, 
From the Landmark Services Cooperative Anchor News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. Hey, first we want to start off with special congratulations. As if her plate weren't already full, Cheryl Zimmerman, our Executive Director of the Wisconsin FFA, has now been named the Executive Secretary for the National FFA. The announcement came on Friday. In that role, Cheryl is going to be primarily responsible for issuing charters to state FFA associations, keeping official board meeting and minutes, as well as membership records, tracking the progress of the group, and overseeing state FFA associations and how they report to the board. Cheryl's appointment as executive secretary to the National FFA happened at the same time the National FFA announced Dr. James Woodard, is their new Director of Agriculture Education, FFA Board Chair, and National FFA Advisor. He takes over for Dr. Steve Brown, who is retiring after 11 years in that post. So again, congratulations to our pal, Cheryl Zimmerman, Executive Director of the Wisconsin FFA, and now the National Secretary for the FFA Association. Congratulations. So let's talk a little bit more about what's happening in agriculture. So many items in our agricultural world are influenced by marketing, influenced by what consumers believe they know. That has helped many farmers. The Buy Local movement, for example, has helped a lot of farmers not only connect with consumers and various retailers and outlets, but it's also created new demand that sometimes can be challenging to serve. Matthew Farnhoff can tell you all about that. He is the Farm to School Program Director for REAP in South Central Wisconsin. And he said sometimes it gets difficult. How do you connect large groups like schools or hospitals with that local food? You know, the Farm to School Program just traditionally as it's put together uh, really focuses on schools and students. Um, As I mentioned, we're trying to, uh, we're working on building out our community engagement not just as a, as a separate piece, but, but as it relates to farm to school. Um, REAP also operates a farm to business program. And uh, this summer we piloted a minimally processed vegetable uh, processing um, project. The idea behind that is that most of these institutions like MMSD um, don't have the capacity oftentimes to process a lot of a lot of fresh vegetables and fruits. They they buy a lot. They buy apples pre-sliced, or they'll buy broccoli and cauliflower already cut into small florets so they can they can either cook straight away or put right on a, a fresh salad bar or something like that. And it's a big barrier for local foods and getting building that bigger market and getting it into institutional purchasing uh, um, opportunities. So we have stepped in this summer uh, and we're working at Madison College um, in their their kitchen to process locally grown broccoli and cauliflower. Uh, We just wrapped up the pilot and um, we're intending to continue it, working with MMSD and UW Health. um, And uh, it's been very successful and and hopefully it it continues and and grows beyond REAP. because it's, like I said, it's, it's a big barrier and it's a big need in a lot of communities around the country to growing local food systems is processing and distribution and the infrastructure that isn't there. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, farmers markets are a really important piece of, of building local food systems. 
but that direct uh, farmer and consumer or purchaser interaction um, is very intensive and it doesn't allow for those larger quantities to get into large school districts or large hospital systems. Uh, so, so we're starting to really focus on um, as, in, as part of our effort to increase access and exposure to local foods, where can REAP fill these gaps or support other organizations that are filling gaps um, you know, to, to get local foods um, to, you know, to fill those, those supply chain pieces and get more local foods to more people. Matthew Farnhoffy is the Farm to School Program Director for REAP, a group that's all about trying to connect locally produced foods from the farm to even those institutional buyers like hotels, restaurants, hospitals, and schools. We'll take a quick break. Markets just around the corner. It is 541. It's not surprising to any of my friends in farm country, this year has been a tough year, no matter what you grow or what you produce. Thank goodness we've got our buddies at McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City in our corner. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee reminding you that, you know, the staff at McFarland's have seen these challenging times before. They're ready to partner with you now to make it through the winter of 2018 into 2019. So when it comes to taking a look at your equipment, maybe there's something that's absolutely got to be upgraded, repaired, or refreshed. They can take care of you. And don't forget, McFarland's in that beautiful facility, 780 Carolina Street, can take care of it all under one roof. That's a weight off your shoulders. And they understand the difficult economic times. So if you're looking to try to replace a piece of equipment, they have a wealth of knowledge and a fantastic network. They'll go to the marketplace and try to find just what you need in the used category. Stop in. Visit with them today. They understand. McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City. Another soft day on dairy product prices Friday. Barrel cheese dropped another three and a half cents to two nineteen and three quarters. Saw the block cheese, forty pound block cheese, drop a penny. That went down to a dollar eighty nine. A double A butter that stood unchanged. The grain markets and overnight trade very quiet on Friday. U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue announced the second round of market facilitation program payments. The checks are going to be issued this week. Producers of eligible commodities will now be eligible to get twenty. of the total payment expected in addition to the 50% they already received. So that was one of the announcements that uh, Secretary Purdue brought to farm broadcasters in Kansas City on Friday. Right now, an overnight trade, December corn's down a quarter of a cent at 371. March corn's unchanged at 380 and three quarters. January soybeans are up a penny and a half at 919 and three quarters, with March contracts up a penny and three quarters, 932 and a half. December wheat's down a penny and a half, 501 and a quarter. July new crop currently two and a quarter cents lower at 512 and a quarter. Like I said, you heard the dairy product prices from Friday. Fluid milk is taking a tumble. December milk overnight down 21 cents at 1835 January down a penny 1788 and February milk currently unchanged at 1730 a hundredweight all right coming up next we've been talking about trends this morning first we talked about trends when it comes to where schools and hospitals are getting their food from up next dairy producers quite concerned about the competition in the dairy showcase from non-dairy products all that plant-based product that's taking off shelf space how do we defend that turf how do we help those retailers recognize the value of dairy? We're talking about it next. Josh and Caitlin join us with an update on dairy beverage trends. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
So I am the proud owner of two little Sheltie dogs, and thank goodness I know my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet Main Street Sun Prairie. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here to explain. So I love my little dogs, but they are literally fur factories. They have gotten fur in every corner of my Zimbrick Suburban. So what I didn't realize, Zimbrick Chevrolet in Sun Prairie basically has an auto spa. They can clean every inch of the interior and exterior of your ride, make it look like new. That same smell, that beautiful look that you had the first day you drove it off the lot. And listen, I don't have time for all that bucket and hose business. Plus, Zimbrick Chevrolet just does it better. Why don't you take a look at the auto spa and what they can do to dress up your ride. Maybe you've got a wedding, a graduation, something special coming up, and it's appropriate. Give them a call. Check in today. Zimbrick Chevrolet, my friends, right there on Main Street, Sun Prairie. And do be sure to tell them the farm babe sent you. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Looking to remodel your bathroom? Ganser is the answer with Bath Creations by Ganser Company. We know you're busy. Give us 80 minutes for our 80 years to make a smart decision on your bath remodel. We are proud to introduce Bath Creations by Ganser Company. Schedule your free in-home consultation or visit our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Hi, I'm Travis Ganser. Have you heard the news? Ganser Company is your home for J.D. Power's top-ranked window and patio door manufacturer, Infinity from Marvin. You'll get 80 years of our experience to make an informed decision in 80 minutes. Schedule your free in-home consultation and get your home ready for the Wisconsin winter. Ganser has the answer. Remember, 80 years and 80 minutes from a local family business of four generations. Ganser, that's the answer. Just moo it. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Depending on how old you are, I want you to think back a few decades. Think about how much the beverage landscape has changed and grown. In the 1970s, there were basically four types of drinks that you could purchase. Milk, some soft drinks, coffee, and juice. In the 80s and 90s, it expanded to bottled water and teas. And then in the 2000s, you saw a boom of energy drinks, almond drinks, coconut beverages. And then today, there's everything from coconut water to drinkable yogurt to sparkling juice, fusion drinks, maple water, alkaline water, along with the everlasting milk, soft drinks, coffee, juice, bottled water, and teas. And over the last few years, there's been a big conversation about milk's place in the market. Paul Zeminski and Christina Alexander are with Dairy Management Inc., or DMI as it is more simply known. And they explain that fluid milk is still a powerhouse in the United States. And why is that in such a crowded marketplace? Consumers understand the nutritional benefits plus the taste benefits. It brings tremendous attributes you know, from uh, mouthfeel but the, you know, so you can add it to a lot of great things whether it's you know, uh, cereal to smoothies to cooking. Uh, it's got a, a massive usage repertoire behind it so there's a usage piece. There's also just the, the perceived and known nutrition piece of that, right? So when you look at uh, protein, you know, the nine essential nutrients, uh, that you know the uh, just recently, I was talking about this in schools. The, the American Medical Society just talked about you know it's their recommended thing to, for kids' growth. So that would be it. In this audio courtesy of our friend Caitlin Riley in Lacrosse, Zeminski explains that milk is in 94% of U.S. households, but it doesn't come without challenges as consumers are more explorative than ever before. Oh, exactly. I mean, from an, uh, they're they're not there's not a uh, swath of people leaving. 
Instead, it's it's milk is declining, but it's not top of mind for the consumers that it's declining. They just don't even know it because there's so much change in their lifestyle and choice. You, you know, when you think about whether it's households without kids, you know, you've got a new dinner pop up on, on so you know, or you're traveling, you may miss that milk that you had for breakfast, and that adds up on, on a national basis. There, and then kid households are, are, you know, we're at the same level of kid households than we were 40 years ago. So all the household growth in the U.S. has been no kid household. So from our side, the category hasn't kept up. When, when you look at the growth of beverages in the U.S., 90% of the growth is coming from grab-and-go beverages, and that's at the front of the store. When, when you think about it, no one buys a liter of Coke anymore, right? They're buying these single beverages, even though it costs more. You know, a 12-ounce Coke costs $1.29, and a liter costs 99 cents. Coke will tell you their growth has come from innovation of packaging and merchandising. And, and so you, and a typical grocery store in the front of the store has 80-foot run of all these single-serve beverages, yet milk's in the back. And, and so we're like, how do we get milk as an ingredient to the front of the store? How do we get milk and dairy snacking at the front of the store? Because it's much better nutrition, much better features. And so that's what we've been working on with a lot of retailers is to show the possibility. But see, the front of the store historically has been controlled by the direct store guys, Coke, Pepsi, and Dr. Pepper Snapple, right? And so they own that space. They put a direct store delivery force in that space. So it's hard to, to you know, when the consumers come in and grab and going and they're throwing a bunch of different things in their, their nutrition. The other thing that it's the slow leakage, those categories have brought news every year. You know, milk, the key player in the category, you know, for the last decade has been Dean's. You know, they bought 13 regional family, power region family brands across the U.S. They merged them under Dairy Pure. So in a time when consumers are looking for locals, we talked about. So they kind of lost the local feature of that. And then, so Dean's has been, they've driven 50% of the declines in the category the last three years, yet they're only 15 shares. We need brands being brands investing in the category. So when your number one brand struggles, it can pull the category down. And so as we've seen, there's an opportunity for premium-based value-added innovation, and it's grown as we've done. We're seeing that category grow. Zeminski admitted that while a lot of people think that people that aren't drinking milk are heading off to the alternative beverages such as almond milk or coconut milk or whatever it may be, turns out the people that fluid milk is losing are actually heading to coffee and water. But how is that? They've got uh, big corporate backing, right? You look at the wa- the small water guys kept getting bought by the big players you know a lot of people don't realize fiji got launched by partnering with dr pepper snapple buy got launched and bought by dr pepper snapple so when when you have the deep pockets of coke so that's why one of the things we look at how do we revitalize milk you know uh, the partnership between select milk producers and Fairlife and coke they raised our hand and said okay we'd like to test this product out with you guys we raised our hand because if you can get the deep pockets of coke helping invest to build a category and reestablish the category. It was huge for us. And now our very own Caitlin Riley. You had mentioned that let the plant-based products be. Are we wasting our advocacy dollars or even our branding dollars trying to fight for the food labelings to make sure dairy products are only dairy? Should we be focusing more on, like you said, rebranding, refocusing on our consumers? I would say they're borrowing our equity both from a nutrition and brand. I mean, you spend a lot of money building the health of a category and a brand. And the scary thing about plant is they don't deliver the same nutrition as dairy. So, you know, what happens is you you can have a negative impact to society if they're borrowing the equity of the dairy nutrition front. 
And then what the, it's an easy way for them to introduce a category by using an, a, an established equity that's been around for thousands of years. You know, I, I, I have some partners, and they say they may launch uh, some, at some time some sort of tofu on a, on a pizza, but they said they're never going to call it vegan cheese because it's not real cheese. So I, I think what's critical for us is we have to defend our category and, uh, you know, not make them invest to build their own categories like, like we've put to build our categories over generations. Zeminski adds that it is all about following the trends, and Christina Alexander, also of DMI, explains what trends dairy is trying to grab a hold of. I mean, our process is we want to look at outside of milk. We want to look at all of food and beverage, and then looking for ways then that we can bring those trends into into dairy. So a lot of value-added products, a lot that, you know, maybe they're a little ahead of their time, like a CBD milk, but who knows? Let's see how consumers think about it. So... Um, and always keeping an eye on it, what's new, what's innovating, what's changing, and educating ourselves at DMI, the industry, etc., to continue innovating. The pair from DMI also explained that plant-based drinks are declining. Yeah, I mean, from our side, one of the things we look at is we want to benchmark not only ourselves, but also look at other things that are growing or declining outside. What's driving the growth and declining? And for the last four years, we looked at retail. As we were really working with retailers to defend our space was... That ex almond, that whole plant-based beverage at shelf was declining in terms of volume, and, and so we were we used those facts to show to the retailer like you can't take that space. And what they were doing is they were spending a lot of slotting dollars trying to take the space for milk, and we just wanted to prove that milk's velocity was way higher than any of those additional plant items. You know, the ten really, if you look at plant-based, they have about twenty-five items at shelf. After the top ten, the rest is just lost excuse very very low volume but they the plant-based is driven by brands and so as i talked about about 65 percent of milk is is private label and 35 branded the plants are the opposite they're 75 percent branded they're well funded there's a lot of startups the private equity guys with deep pockets so they can buy the space so when they're going into retail or trying to get space we're, our job is trying to really use the facts against them to say hey here's the state of the shelf we don't care if you bring it in, but don't take it from milk because milk is such a high-velocity traffic item. And as a, one, one fact we've used for the retailer is trips. The average trip per milk on an annual basis is 30 trips. So when milk's in the basket, it's $2,100. So that adds up for a retailer. There's only you know, eight trips for alternative beverages. So every time you get rid of a milk facing and you add the alternative, you're losing trips and you're losing consumers. You're either going to be out of stock or consumers are going to go down the street to another retailer. So we have to defend our space, and that's just one of the facts we've used. Is outside of Almond, the rest of the stuff has declined in the last four years. That is Paul Zeminski of DMI. Thank you so much to our very 